Heavenly Father, how we thank You and praise You that You have preserved Your Word from generation to generation and all those that have gone before us that have taught uh, about You. Lord, we pray this morning that You would teach us that we might become more and more like Jesus so that we can go out and teach the next generation. And so come and speak to us now through Your Word. Let it come alive in our hearts and our minds. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I was fortunate enough as a kid to grow up in a home where my mom was at home. She didn't have to work out outside the home. So mom was always around. And so um, I grew up back in the day um, where if you had a question, mom was the answer to every question, right? Because there was only a couple options. You could go to mom um, or you could go down into the basement and open up the world book encyclopedia. Anybody remember those things? My mom still has those in the basement where they were when I was a kid sitting down there. And you'd go there and get information. Or you could wait until dad came home. But my dad was an engineer at Ford. And so he would go into long, long explanations on why something had to be. So unless you were desperate, you didn't go play the dad card. You went right to mom for information like that. Because moms are just the perpetual information hub of everything that goes on. And, and it's sort of fun now, years later, now having my own daughter, that my wife, who is much more intelligent than I am, is still the hub of all the information. And so my daughter has a question. It's, Mom, Mom, what about Mom? And I, you know, part of me, I'm like, you know, I'm not stupid. I could probably come up with some answers myself. And so when my wife had an opportunity last week to go to California um, to uh, do the accreditation and graduation for the Master's in Counseling and Organizational Leadership um, that she was out there for, I'm like, I get a whole week, um, which I was really looking forward to. And, and one, um, I, I should just say before I forget this, for single parents out there, God bless you. May God just pour out his spirit on you. I, I made a commitment. I'm not going to complain to anybody because like you can suck it up for a week, pal. This is my life 52 weeks out of the year. Uh, so just praise God for you and for all that you do for single parents that are here. But I was looking forward to it because I thought, one, I get a whole lot of time. So homework, any of those questions are not going to be mom. It's going to be dad. And I don't remember what she asked me at one point, but she asked me a question. I, I gave what I thought was a decent answer. And, and she said, um, dad, maybe we should ask Siri. So it's mom, Siri, dad. Somewhere down below is the order of that. Yeah, thank God for Google, right? Because we can just Google any answer that we want at any point along the way. In fact, I bought this uh, mug for my wife uh, a while uh, ago, and um, she doesn't like it because it, it sounds a little pretentious. But I'm like, I, I imagine this has got to be frustrating for people who are well-educated and, and done that. It says, please do not confuse your Google search with my Ph.D. degree. You know, kind of thing. Because we do, don't we? We live in, a, in an era, and I thought, man, how different parenting is today, where you relied on parents for information. They were the perpetual givers of information, and now we got information at our fingertips. Kids don't need parents for information. They can get information as soon as they want it. And it made me think, too, pastoring has completely changed. Because you don't need me for information. You can get information instantaneously uh, from multiple different sources around there. And so what is the purpose of parents and what is the role of pastors and teachers today if it's not to give the context for all of that information? Like, I don't know how to interpret this information. Well, that is what parents are supposed to do. And that's what we want to do uh, this morning for you is not to give you more information, but to interpret um, that information for you. Because we live in a culture that, that 
craves knowledge and wants to know knowledge. And a lot of people, um, you know, go to Google and search things or ask Siri for things. Or you do like little self-help kind of stuff. Now, if you like self-help, um, by the way, there's a whole new section now. It's Fixing Others. You can go see that in your bookstore. That's a real popular kind of place. But if you like self-help, if you just go to Amazon this afternoon, you're like, I'm interested in self-help. There are 28 subcategories of self-help. There's a lot of self-help stuff that is out there. So you've got to be a little more specific. I, I love what Stephen Wright, the comedian, had to say uh, about when he went to the library. He said, I went to a bookstore and asked the saleswoman, uh, where's the self-help section? She said, if she told me, it would defeat the purpose. <laughs> and I, I love that. So, so why talk about this like, on Mother's Day? What kind of introduction is that on a Mother's Day? Well, I, I can't help but think, what mother doesn't want something better for their kids? Doesn't want a better life for them, doesn't want more for their kids. And frankly, who of us sitting here today doesn't want more for our own lives? That we want something better for ourselves. And this is where I love Louis Giglio and the video that he has there. The story of David and Goliath is one of the best under, uh, underdog stories of all times. And it'd be great to get into that and preach a message. And maybe you've heard one uh, like this before where if you're facing your giant, maybe what you need is just a little bit more faith. Maybe you just need some courage. Just be like David and just go after it with whatever gift you have. And that giant is going to fall down and just go at it. You don't have to put up with giants in your life anymore. You can do it. You've got the power and the authority to do it. Just go out and do it. And, oh, and maybe you've been to a camp like that. You ever have somebody like that before just riles you up like, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. And, and then you get back from the weekend camp and it's like Monday and you're like, oh, I'm such an utter failure. Man, I thought I was going to do it, but it didn't work. And I'm right back into the pit I was before. And for a lot of us, that describes sort of our life. The perpetualness of going after a giant and falling and failing and getting up and the giant and falling and failing over and over again. And, and then we get to a point where we talked about last week. Well, I guess this is just my life. The giant is always going to be there. Well, the key in the story, and I love the way Louis Giglio brings this out in his book. It's a great book, by the way. If you love reading, I can't recommend that one enough. When I read that a year ago, it, it changed the story for me. And we've got a few copies, I think, left in our gift shop if you want to pick one up today as a Mother's Day gift. It's a good one. But he reminds us, and I think it's so true, that we are not David in the story. We want to be David in the story, don't we? I mean, we want to rise up. We want to be the hero. We want to conquer the giant. We want to fight it and see it go down. And we want people cheering and, and raving us and lifting up our name. But we are not David in the story. You know who is David in the story, right? Jesus. Jesus is David in the story. We're not David. Jesus is David in the story. Jesus is the one who has slayed our giants. We don't have to slay it. When Jesus died on the cross, he died to defeat death and he defeated the grave. He defeated sin. He defeated everything in our life. Any giant that would come against us, Jesus has already defeated. Jesus is the giant in the story. Now the problem comes is when you find yourself still wrestling with giants. Like, wait a minute, if Jesus destroyed all the giants, then, then why, why do I still have a giant in my life? Why, why is it still there? 
Well, it could be there for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, maybe God just wants it to be there. Last week I, I quoted a verse uh, from Paul, but to give you a little more context of that, which I didn't do last week. Paul, because of the great revelations uh, he records, because Paul had been through a lot. He established churches all around the Mediterranean rim. And every city he went, he was persecuted, sometimes to the point of, of death. And miraculously, God intervenes and heals him. Um, just all kinds of miraculous signs and wonders that God was doing through Paul, uh, his servant. And, and so it would be very easy. And Paul writes, he said, to keep me from being conceited, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh to torment me. And so he prayed time and time again, God, take this from me, take this from me, take this from me. And finally, God shows up and he says this. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient. And I said last week, I didn't like that verse at all because I don't like sufficient. I don't like just enough. But that's what God said. He said, I want to keep that shadow of the giant. He's, he's not going to destroy you. But he's going to be there because what I don't want to have happen to you, Paul, is for you to get conceited. Because it would have been very easy for somebody like Paul who has experienced everything that God did through him to become conceited. But I think more than that, I think the reason that we still have giants in our life is because we've tried to be David. And we've tried to defeat the giant on our own strength and our own power. And we don't have that power. We don't have that authority to bring giants down in our lives. And so we can't do it. And we've tried time and time again. And you've made those commitments. I want to change. And so you've really meant it and you've tried and you've done everything you could. And maybe it's, I want to get out of debt. It just seems to be this weight on my shoulders. And so you work hard and you clean up everything and you get rid of debt only to find a couple of years later, you're right back in the same place you were a few years before you got out of debt. Or for those of you who, you know, sort of borderline on the hoarding side of things and, and you've got a huge mess and finally it gets to the point like, I can't take it anymore. I'm cleaning this mess up. And you clean everything up and you throw a whole bunch of stuff out and everything is neat and organized and is placed. And it is a breath of fresh air for you. And then just a few months down the road, you're looking like, what happened? Like it looks just the way it did before because you tried to change. God isn't about change. God is about transforming people. And that's what happens when we do it on our own power. We only have the power to change, and we're not really good at that. God has the power to transform people's lives. So if we want to live this way, I think the first step we need to do is be followers of Jesus um, with people that live without any doubt that God has the power and authority to do what he said he was going to do, to be the David in the story, to be the giant killer to slay all of those giants that we face in our life, to live with no doubt. Now, I don't know, if you grew up in a church, um, when I heard the story of David and Goliath, it was sort of a cute story as a kid. You're like, oh, wow, hey, David, a little kid, and sling son, boom, knocked him down. And I, I can still remember later on, when I was old enough and I was reading the Bible on my own, and I kept reading the story of David and Goliath, and then David stood over Goliath, and he took out um, his sword, Goliath's sword, from his sheath. And then he cut off his head. I'm like, wow, I missed that in Sunday school. I don't know why they didn't talk about that piece. And the pulling up of the head and kind of stuff. I'm like, wow, that's gross. I'm like, yeah, it's in the Bible, the whole, whole thing. And then David, he shows up in front of the king. And what is he holding? The head of the one who had been tormenting them for months and maybe even years of 
Your God isn't good enough. Your God isn't good enough. I was wondering, like, David, isn't that just a little overkill? Pardon the pun. I mean, do you really have to cut off his head? If you killed him, I mean, he's, he's not breathing. His heart's not there. He's not moving. Uh, he's dead. So why cut off? And I realize some of that's a cultural thing. That's what they did. That was a trophy kind of thing that they did back in that day. But I think even more so than that, he wanted the army that was watching intently on, I wonder what's going to happen. He wanted them to have no doubt and have one of those moments. And when he holds up the head, I'm like, oh, well, I guess it's over. <laughs> you know, they might have been wondering beforehand, I wonder if he's going to get back up. Is that the end of the battle? Is there is round two? What's going to happen with the, the next step? And then they see the head like, oh, well, there's no doubt. And he shows up to King Saul and with the head like there's no doubt. That was a no doubt moment. Goliath is done <laughs> here. He Goliath, you see, he's not his mouth isn't moving anymore. He's not taunting you anymore. That giant is gone. And I know probably what some of you are thinking, at least I hope you're thinking. Is, boy, wouldn't it be nice if we had that kind of assurance? Wouldn't it be nice to have that kind of visual representation that I know that it has been taken care of and done, that my giant is dead? Boy, now, if you're a follower of Jesus, we have that, by the way, if you didn't know. And the empty tomb is um, our no-doubt moment. When Jesus died on the cross and they placed him in the tomb, nobody expected him to rise again. They thought it was over. Maybe Jesus, who wasn't, he said he was. And when he rises from the dead, that was the explanation point that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. The very son of God that died in our place. And when he rose from the dead, it was that explanation point, that no doubt moment that you have been forgiven by God and that Jesus has defeated death. He's defeated the enemy. He's defeated sin and brokenness in your life. It is that no doubt moment. And that's why as followers of Jesus, Easter is a big deal. Because that is our no doubt moment that we know that Jesus has the power and authority over every single giant that comes in our life. And so we need to live with that no doubt kind of moment. Paul writes all about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He talks about the power of the resurrection and what that means for followers of Jesus. And he ends that chapter with this. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Why? Because you have a no-doubt moment because the resurrection proved that. Let nothing move you. There's nothing that you need to worry about anymore. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And the resurrection is that no-doubt moment for followers of Jesus. And not because the Bible says so, but because Matthew, a follower of Jesus, wrote it down. And, and Luke uh, eyewitness um, of that and carefully went through everything and wrote it down and john his disciple wrote it down and paul uh, wrote it down and people gave their life and, and james jesus's own brother would give up his life saying that jesus is lord and i've always loved that as a proof if you're like i'm not sure he rose from the dead what would it take uh for you to believe that your brother was the son of god and james did the brother of jesus and the resurrection is that no-doubt moment for our lives. And so where does that leave us this morning? Well, it leaves us with this, that our giant must fall. Your giant must fall. And I love that, even the book title itself, and he talks about that in the introduction, that wrestled with that. It's not your giant may fall. It might fall. It will fall eventually. No, your giant must fall. 
There is a certainty behind that because Jesus died and he rose again. And because he rose again, he has power over all of that. And this is what John was getting to, his, one of his disciples. And he wrote this down. Why did Jesus, the Son of God, appear? Well, he came and he appeared because he was here to destroy the devil's work. The Son of God appeared to destroy the devil's work. What's the devil's work? You can think of a lot of things, can't you? Why, how about just dysfunction in homes today? Why, I'm, I'm tired of hearing stories of families that are living under the same roof and not talking to one another. Man, that giant of dysfunction in families has got to fall. It must fall. And I'm, I'm tired of hearing uh, about divorce from followers of Jesus, where you know a lot of people say it, it's not much different for people that worship and follow Jesus and people on the outside. I, I'm tired. Like, divorce must fall. It's got to go. I, I'm tired of, of disease in, in people's life. That wasn't part of God's original creation. Disease, it must go. And I'm tired. Uh, of people giving their lives to drugs and, and alcohol and, and losing their life over that. And addiction, it must fall. And I don't know what your giant is today, but your giant must fall. That's why he came. He came to destroy the devil's work. All of those things, those are devil's work things. He said, that has no power over my followers. Those things must fall. You know, what I don't mean to communicate is, oh, you say a magic prayer and it's all done. <laughs> Jesus, you take care of it. Boom, I'm going to trust God to, to do everything and you don't have to do anything. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying your giant must fall. There might be something you have to do, like pick up a stone, like sling it. You might have to work hard at it. Often when people come to me uh, for counseling and I've sat down with couples and it's like, uh, how long do you think it's going to take for our marriage to heal? And I'll typically ask the question back. I said, well, how long did you take messing it up? It's probably been about five years. It's probably going to take about five years. Give God as long to fix it as you took messing it up. It's not a magic formula, but it's hope. Man, he must fall. Man, he's going down. I'm not living with this shadow behind me anymore. He's not there. He, he's gone. Let me leave you with this verse. Peter, another one of Jesus' disciples, wrote this. He said, His divine power, and I, I love that, His divine, God's divine power, not my divine power. It's not prayer partners' divine power. It's not your divine power. It's not collectively all of our power put together. Uh, we don't have any power of our own. It's His divine power, and He has given us everything we need not just enough to get started not enough to make it through the day he's given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness and today's the day i, I said i, I want to see some giants fall today i, I want to see not just change i want to see transformation in people's lives and some of you are here today and you're living testimony that, that giants fall and they must fall. 
And if that's you today, in just a moment, we're going to have our prayer partners up here. And I want to encourage you, if that's you today, to come up and and say, thank God that he has slayed giants in my life. I have been set free uh, by Jesus, by what he has done for me. Please give God glory and honor for what he has done in your life. Some of you have got some huge giants that you're facing here today. I want you to come up and I want you to have somebody pray over you. And encourage you with those words. No, your giant must fall. Because some of you need that encouragement today. And the worst thing you can do is just walk out without connecting with anybody. There is healing in community. And these wonderful prayer partners would love to speak a word of healing uh, over you. Some of you, maybe your giants don't look really big right now. But you, you know God's stirring in your spirit. Like this needs to be taken care of. And take care of this now before it becomes a giant. Would you come up and let people pray over you? I know that's intimidating. People are like, well, are people going to wonder if I'm thanking God for something or if I'm asking God? And I love the way Pastor Tim said that when we kicked off this series. Every single one of us has a giant. There's none of us that have escaped not having giants come up in our life because that's where the devil comes. But thanks be to God. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to destroy the devil's work. I want to destroy the devil's work today. So I want to invite our prayer partners to come forward. And, and when they're up here and up here in the front, please take advantage of them. We're going to sing a couple of songs um, while people are praying. And I want to encourage you to come up and let them pray over you. Prayer of thanksgiving or asking whatever it is that you need today. Would you allow them to do that today? Or, or maybe you want to pray over your family. You came with your mom. You want to pray for your mom today where you're at. Please do that as well. Connect with Jesus during this time. This is what we want to see happen. We want people connecting with Jesus. And, and I encourage you. I'd love, as I shared last week, I want every single person to come and take advantage of this today. And as we do so, um, I want to invite you as we sing these songs and as you come up to pray, would you stand and let's just be praying as we're singing. God, move in our spirit. Let giants come down in the name of Jesus.